Hi guys, welcome to Deep Cuts Live. I'm your host, Antoine Reed. This is actually the third season premiere of, of Deep Cuts Live. For those of you who don't know, we kind of started off on Instagram Live during the pandemic. And from there, we're now Facebook Live and on YouTube. And uh, I'm sure this video will pop up again as well on Instagram. Um, so for those of you watching, if you're watching on Facebook, make sure you hit that like button. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure you hit the subscribe button um, and the bell notification to be notified anytime we go live or post new content. Um, today's special guest is someone that I kind of ran into uh, a couple weeks ago at a trade show that we both were at. Um, it's called Tobacco Plus Expo. Um, Robin Blue, she has an accessory company and uh, we kind of connected on Instagram after the event, and I felt like what better way to kind of kick off a whole new season of interviews and Deep Cuts Live than with uh, Robin and figure out what's going on in, in her neck of the woods and have her talk a little bit about her business. So I'm getting ready to pull in our special guest, and we'll go from there. Hey, everybody. How are you? I'm excellent. How are you? I'm doing well. It's been a long day, but I'm glad that I'm ending the work day with you and learning thank more you about so your kindly. business. So thank you for coming on today. Well, I just want to say, you know, your uh, background looks phenomenal. I feel like I'm a special guest with the deep cuts and, you know, all the blue <laughs> tones. You know, I love some blues. So when I saw that, I knew I was going to be having a funky guitar. <laughs> I know. Let's get it. Our, our outfits without even knowing it. I was looking right. at the saying, like, what, 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 what outfit, what suit jacket. And so I'm glad we're on the same wavelength. I always, yes, I always, yeah. I let me, I get, never, let me get my little, let me get my little logo. <laughs> let me get it so everybody can see it. So yeah, but thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you. Like I said, for coming on, um, you know, like I said, I, I kept passing you and seeing you at, at TPE a couple weeks ago and I right. didn't have the, the chance to kind of stop by and, learn about your company. So I'm glad we have an hour now without the whole buzz and, and stuff. <laughs> without the whole world watching. <laughs> yeah. It's very hard. I don't know. People, I always tell people like, I love a trade show because you get exposed to so many companies, but right. having a long form conversation during the day is just almost impossible because I don't know where your booth exactly was positioned, but there was definitely, I won't say who was, but it was definitely a, a booth there with loud music. And so the closer you were to it, like it was just hard to kind of concentrate uh, on what was going on, even though I was more than happy that they brought the party by. But it was very loud at some points to have a conversation. So, uh, well, I they actually was, asked them to turn it down. So it, it was <laughs> even louder than it was. It was kind of like you were like, what did you say? Exactly. Exactly. I'm glad I wasn't the only one. I'm like no, we're getting, you getting to that age where it's just like, you were a bit loud. <laughs> Yeah. 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 So thank, like I said, thank you for coming on. And what I wanted to do today is just learn a little bit about you and your company and your kind of creative process, because we usually have cigar makers and manufacturers on here and we don't always, uh, you know, get to, to hear from a, a creative person like yourself. So you. I'm always interested to have those conversations on what your creative process is and how you design stuff. And I saw on your website, yet you're into fashion. And obviously, uh, I'm not, I wouldn't say a fashion uh, fashion person, but I definitely like to dress well. 
And so I think your accessory brand kind of goes along with all that kind of stuff. So I'm looking forward to learning more about you in this little hour that we have together. Well, thank you. I think the cigar culture in general um, has their own style and their own flavor for fashion, whether it be, you know, fedoras or, you know, their bracelets or their, you know, pokers or their cutters, their lighters, you know, they, they're just going to show that they're, they're into the lifestyle. There's going to be something that they, that they, you know, have or wear or flex that they're going to let you know, hey, I'm part of the culture. So I love that. Exactly. So how did you get involved? I will say before we get to the cigar part. So how did you get involved in the whole fashion world? Because I read on your website, like I said earlier today, that, you know, fashion was kind of your background. So how did you get involved in that? My mom was a fashionista and I have seven aunties that were all fashionistas. And wow. so when you grow up with seven aunties, you know, you're just going to get it from all angles. They loved fashion. They loved to shop. And so I just got it honestly, you know, they loved to shop. My mom um, sewed and she made all my clothes till I was 10. And I actually was in, and I don't think anybody knows this. I was actually in a dance group. I'm an army brat. I was in a dance group in Germany and my mom made my outfits when I was dancing. So, yeah. Wow. <laughs> so I know as army brats tend to travel a lot and you're exposed to different cultures and you're exposed to different people outside of what you would be if you were kind of uh, just situated in one place. So how did that experience kind of shape who you are just traveling and being, like I said, being exposed to different cultures and backgrounds and I guess different fashions throughout, you know, that time? Well, you know, fashion to me is really about your personal style and your diversity. And I think that my personal style, whether it be through what I wear, through my accessories, it really just kind of shows who I am. And so for my personal style, I just like for everything not to be just exactly the way people should expect it to be. I think some people feel like, oh, I've got to wear this with this and this and this makes me fashionable. I just feel that everything's got to be a little bit off kilter. It doesn't have to be just perfect. And that's kind of the way that I look at my accessories. I don't want them to be just picture perfect because I don't think life is picture perfect. And so I want my stuff to be a little bit um, eclectic, eccentric, and that's kind of how I feel that my style is, but you know, classy on top of that. Where do you draw inspiration from? Because I know as creative people, like my background is actually in the arts. And, you know, if I encounter something that I like or that appeals to me, I might pull it from a magazine or might take a picture of it for, for later reference. So what's that like for you? Like, where do you draw inspiration from? I draw it from my travels, you know, um, here is a uh, Buddha poker. So I draw it from the travels, the different places that I've been. I, um, I feel like, you know, in this time we need to be inclusive. Here is an unk poker. So I, I just want it to be very different. I, I don't want my collection or anything that I wear to be something that you've seen before. Um, I have a lot of the stuff that I wear made. Um, you know, here's something that's a little bit different. I just think that uniqueness is my strength in all things that I do. I don't like to really do the same thing everybody else does. I feel like it's been done. Um, you know, I kind of love what Rihanna says, and this is probably the only thing Rihanna and I have in common. 
And unfortunately, but you know, she, she said something to the effect that if she's done it before, she gets bored with it. And that's kind of how I am with my creativity. I get inspiration from God. I don't create anything on my own, you know, he gives me, and I'm going to say he for 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 the way of saying it, gives me the, the vision of what I'm doing. If I do it on my own, it turns out terrible. And people say, well, why don't I see that? I'm not going to put that on, on social media if it's horrible. <laughs> I keep that to myself. So I, I get inspiration um, from, you know, obviously if people tell me, you know, I want something that's blue, green, orange, red, whatever. Obviously, I want to keep it true to what they want. But I really, it doesn't come from me. I am a creative person. Obviously, my mom sewed. My mom was the, my, the creative inspiration in my life. So I sew. I do all those kinds of things. Creative, creative things just come naturally naturally to me. So I can look at something and kind of figure out, okay, this is how this works. When I started um, beading, I'd never, I'd never knew how to do that. And people were like, what? I just looked at it and I was having a conversation with God and it was kind of like, okay, this is something that I think that I want to do. God, God, what are you thinking? Is this something you want me to do? Cause if not, I probably need to stop now. And so it just kind of worked out that way. So it's, it's just, you know, I think people feel that, oh, I was doing this for 10 years and all of a sudden I was doing this. No, I just started one day and it just kind of happened three years later. So that's kind of how it happens. But I do get inspiration from a lot of different things. I don't look at my competitors because I don't want to do anything they're doing. So I have... Um, you know, I do have someone who looks at competitors just because I want to make sure that, you know, I'm, you know, doing stuff on trend and stuff like that. And, and I'm not so far out of the wheelhouse. So I, I do do that, but I don't look at what they do. I don't want to, I don't want to have that in my psyche. I don't want to see something and then start making that because I don't think that's true and representative to me or to them. And it's not fair if that they have an idea and that's their own. I want to do something that I uniquely came up with and it's uniquely mind. So I, you know, I, I try to keep it that way. And it's just fun to be creative and to really come up with something. And, and, you know, what really, what really makes me excited is to come up with something and to actually have someone buy something because you came up with something that actually means more to me than the money that I generate to actually have, you know, someone really like what you made out of nothing and then buy it. I mean, that is a rush to me. When you first came up with this idea for your company, I mean, how how did you take it from a concept to an actual company? I'm always interested in that process as well, because I think we all come up with ideas, but to take it and say, I'm going to take this idea and try to make it into a business is a whole process that we usually don't talk about. So how did you do it? Um, so I was talking to my brother who is my like cigar whisperer. He knows everything about cigars and, you know, everybody's got their person and he's, you know, that person for me. And, um, I had made at the time I was just doing cigar pokers and I had made four cigar pokers and the big smoke was coming in Vegas. And so I, I have a special place in my heart for Vegas because that's where it all started for me. And I, you know, I live in Atlanta. So I took four cigar pokers to Vegas and, you know, I felt like Vegas was going to be a place where I would know if I had a good idea or not, because the big smoke's got a lot of my peers. It's got a lot of our peers. I'll say it like that. And mm -hmm. it's going to really determine, you know, if you've got something good or not, because, you know, cigar smokers, they're going to tell you 
<laughs> tell you if you got something or you don't. They're pretty, mm -hmm. they're, they're brutally honest. And that's what I really needed. So it was probably a week into it. So I took them to Vegas and um, I got some great feedback. I met somebody who was, um, his name was Danny. He has a cigar lounge, uh, Lancaster Cigars um, Lounge in Pennsylvania. And he um, talked to me for a very long time about the business. He actually had pokers in his cigar and his lounge. He had a cigar lounge. And I just got so much information in Vegas that led me to believe that this was the right thing to do. So it was just a magical time for me because, you know, I talked to, you know, Cigar Mike, other people in the industry that were there. So imagine having a lot of people who could tell you what you wanted to know all in a weekend. So it was great. Yeah. So it just worked out. Then I came back to Atlanta and, um, you know, that was November. Because, you know, Big Smoke is, you know, obviously the first, I think it's the first week or the middle. I think they keep changing it a couple of weeks. So it's middle of November and then Christmas hit and it was on and popping. What was, you know, that initial feedback? Did any of it surprise you or were you just like, yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking. Did it confirm what you were kind of going with? What was that that like? Um, initially, I had more support from men than I did from women. Um, the wow. pokers that I brought were women's pokers and the women weren't like, yeah, they were kind of like on the fence. And it was interesting because I had a vision that I wanted to do a skull poker. Hadn't done one, hadn't, you know, but I walked into this tattoo shop and saw exactly what I wanted to do. And I was describing it to these guys and they were like, well, if you do it, I'll buy it. And it was interesting because I had the four women's pokers and the women weren't like jumping up and down. But the men, when I was describing it to them, were like, hey, if you make it, I'll buy it. And I was thinking, hmm. So I immediately was like, let me target the men because the women aren't jumping up and down. And maybe it was because I had the wrong design for the women or maybe I should be targeting the men. I'm not sure which one it was, but I started kind of going after the men because I was just getting more interest in doing men's designs and I actually sell more men's stuff than I do women's. Wow. Just mm -hmm. so you know, Lit Torch is watching and she just wanted to say hello. Yes, <laughs> yes, my girls. <laughs> hey lady. So yes. I mean I think that's I mean, interesting. kind of balanced out now, but in the beginning, yeah, I got more more support from men. So you know, um I'm equal opportunity now, but it was it was kind of interesting. Yeah. So I mean, what has been your experience kind of dealing with female smokers and men smokers? Because it's funny if you whatever conversation you're having is like you have to treat everyone the same. But at the same time, maybe they have different preferences when it comes to accessories uh, and not just, you know, with the cigar stuff, you had to treat them the same. Maybe the accessory stuff from your experience is that is it different? Um, well, I do custom. So um, when you're doing custom, people have unique needs, whether they're men or women. So it doesn't really matter to me because if someone is saying that they want, you know, this or that, it doesn't matter if it's a man or a woman. So I think once once I started doing custom, which was really early on, probably in the first two weeks that I had been in business, you know, and I do a lot of unisex because you can't really say, 
you know, like this particular poker. You can't really say if this is a ladies or a men. So I don't really say to people, you know, hey, you know, um, you know, this particular poker. I don't say it's a man or a woman. I just say it's a poker and you you decide. You decide which what you think it is or if you like it. So I just really go on their needs and what they're looking for. I don't really try to pigeonhole them and say, hey, this is man's poker. This is a woman's poker. I just try to figure out what they're looking for. You know, you're starting with obviously colors. What colors do they want? And some people, they, they just say, hey, make me something. They just don't. They don't. They just trust me. You know, I've been doing I've, I've made a lot of pokers and, and and things at this point. And they just they trust me. And some people have you know, you get the people who don't know what they want and the people who are very specific. I want this, 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 this. And, you know, I love everybody, you know, whatever you want to do. So when I'm, I'm, I'm just curious again about mm -hmm. the, the creative, the business part of it, because okay how do you get the word out about your product? Because I think a lot of people kind of struggle with, they build a company, they have the product in hand, and then it's like, how how do I let people know about the product? Like, how does that, how have you handled that? Well, one of the things I did, you know, Susie's on the line, I um, advertised through Lit Torch. That was one of the things I did. Um, obviously I have Facebook, um, Instagram, um, you know, all of the social media challenges. I, you know, I do shows like yours, podcast. Um, I do vending. You know, I do a marketing mix. There's not one thing that I lean toward because I think that people can find out about you a lot of different ways. I think initially it was more referrals. I got a lot of referrals and a lot of product champions that believed in my product and were just helping me. Um, sell it. I mean, you know, there's a really good friend of mine um, who was here in Atlanta who would just, you know, he had one and he would, you know, his friend saw it. And I mean, he's responsible for probably 30 pokers. So, you know, it's just people believing in you, believing in your product and, you know, getting out there. I mean, I was, you know, last year I was at so many cigar events. It was crazy. So I think you have to just put yourself out there. You know, I think that when I first started getting on social media, I wasn't a social media person. I'm a very, very private person. So to put myself on social media, I never put my picture on social media when I first started because I thought, why do they need to see me? They just need to see my pokers. Like what, what good exactly. interest would I possibly have on social media? But they said they need to connect your face with the product. And I was like, oh, okay, if you guys say so. So I think it's a marketing mix of doing a lot of things. Another thing that I did was um, I'm an ambassador for Atlanta Cigar Week. This is my third year doing that. And so that was another thing that I felt like was really um, helpful in getting my brand out there. So there was a lot of different things that I did, you know, making strategic partnerships with, you know, um, different cigar lounges. I have my pokers in, in, in multiple cigar lounges that are, that are available um, for you to buy my poker. So there, I can't say that there was one thing. I just did a lot of different things, you know, magazine articles. So there, it was just all of it. I mean, I tried to do as much or, um, as I could. I also am 
uh, very fortunate to be in a mentorship program through the Urban League. That was an 18 month program. And they really helped me be able to figure out, you know, what I wanted to do with my brand. You know, I think as a business person, there are so many opportunities coming at you. And, you know, you're like, well, should I do this or shouldn't I do that? And I think, you know, you just don't know. And there's only so many dollars, you know, there's only so many dollars that you can spend on this. And people are coming into you, do you, you know, can you do this? Do you do this? Do you do that? And really having a mentor, which I, you know, I challenge everybody to get a mentor and get a great mentor, somebody who's going to challenge you. It's just the, really the way to go. They've already been down the road. They've already done all this stuff. So, you know, I have a phenomenal mentor. She is woo, intense. Um, she's an Aries like me, but she is intense. My goodness. She was, um, Wow. Um, so I'm on, you know, eBay, Etsy, Amazon, um, and my website. So I'm on multiple platforms. I did, I did as much as I could to get the word out with everybody. And so I think if you're getting in business, you have to try a little bit of everything. I don't think that there's one thing that you can do that's going to get it done. I think you just have to try, you have to try everything. I mean, I got on different, um, you know, podcasts, you know, trying to run ads, you know, and different, you know, and, and they don't like tobacco ads, but, you know, different ads that are supportive of, of, of our industry because, you know, they don't like that. So I, you know, I feel like I did a lot to try to, to, to try to get my brand out there. And what's your experience been like making yourself the face of the brand? Because I sympathize with you because I know when I uh, <laughs> first started doing all this media stuff, I just felt like, I'm okay being in the background, like let the product speak for itself. And I remember having somebody come to me and tell me, you need to be a brand. You need to put your face out there. And I was like, no, I don't. <laughs> so I was very resistant towards that idea. So what was your experience like when you started pushing yourself out there a little bit more and making, you know, making that relationship between you and your product? You know, initially, um, I didn't want to do it because when, you know, I told you I met, you know, uh, Danny in, in uh, Pennsylvania and he was like, Robin, people need to see you using your poker. And, and I was like, oh, they don't need to see me. They just need, I just felt like my product, because I'm a perfectionist stood for itself. You know, I give a one year guarantee. I felt like the quality was there. I, I didn't need to be in it. And so that went on for a while. <laughs> did not put my picture out there. People were not, they probably didn't even know who I was because I just felt like there was no reason for people to see me. And so I had a conversation with a different mentor at the time. And he was like, do you have an issue with being, you know, your brand, your own brand champion? And I had to really think about that because I was like, why do I have an issue with being my own brand champion? And I, I really struggled with that for a little bit because I was like, you know, hmm. And so when he put it to me like that, I got more comfortable with it. And he said, if, you know, find the situations in which you're comfortable and use those situations to market yourself, you know, and I wasn't just comfortable of, you know, I see people just putting themselves out there for anything like a cat walks by and they put it on Instagram or, you know, <laughs> they move their arm to the left and they put it on Instagram or, you know, or, or Facebook or whatever. And I just wasn't comfortable just putting, you know, and I'll probably just in not nonsense pictures of me on Instagram. I, I just was not comfortable with that. And so he said to me, put 
put stuff on Instagram or Facebook that makes sense to you. And that's when I got comfortable with it because I was, I couldn't just put useless pictures of me because I was like, this doesn't even make sense. So that's when I became more comfortable when I said, okay, well, I'm using the poker. Okay. So that makes sense because I'm, I use it anyway. You know, so when I found relative content that made sense to me, I was, I was more okay with it. And now, you know, I'm okay with it. And what I do, like I do photo shoots where I have a lot of content of me and then I reuse it. So I'm like, okay, I got a lot of content. Great. <laughs> I guess I can use that. So it's, it's a lot easier now, but I will tell you in year one, I did struggle with that because, um, you know, I, I think a lot of people see pictures of me on Instagram and Facebook and they think I'm very um, open, but I, I'm not a very open person. I'm a very private person. And so it, it makes it a challenge because people think that because they see you on Facebook or Instagram that they know you because they see a picture of you. And it's like, yeah. no, that's just a picture of me. That's not me. I mean, that's a snapshot in time. That's not, you know, there's other things that happen, you know, after the picture's over. So it is a challenge for people who are private. You know, some people who are who are not private just, you know, they snap, snap, snap. And I'm like, you know, and I don't I don't ever go live. I mean, I went live and and they're like, we can't hear the sound, Robin. And I'm like <laughs> I'm like, oh my goodness. So, you know, I don't ever go live because I'm afraid I'll mess it up. So I'm 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 working on that. So we'll see how that goes. So with your business, what was your aha moment, uh, as Oprah would say? Like, what was that moment where you're like, this you know, like I, I found it, this is it, like we're on the right path now, like all my doubts are kind of put aside. Like, what was that aha moment? Um my aha moment. You know, I don't know that I had an aha moment. I think it's, I continually try to reinvent myself. You know, when I started doing cigar pokers, what I didn't want to do is have people not have a reason to support me. And so then I started doing um, cannabis holders. And then when I did that, I started doing bracelets. So I, I don't know that I have an aha moment. I feel like you can never be that, I don't want to ever be that comfortable that I feel like, okay, I've made it, you know, if that makes sense, mm -hmm. because I feel like it's, it's an iterative process and I want to reinvent myself all the time. So I, I don't ever feel that way. I feel like, you know, I'm going to always hopefully surprise um, everybody and continue to do different things. And, you know, what I'm, what I did last year, I'm, you know, going to do something different this year. And every time they, you know, hear from me or look on social media, I'm always doing something different. So I, I don't know that, um, I had an aha moment. I think one of the things that surprised me was um, when I won Best Accessory twice. That was like, wow. <laughs> I was like, okay. That was surprising um, because I was just so new at it and because I hadn't had, you know, years and years of experience um, doing jewelry. That, that surprised me, but I don't ever feel that comfortable. I think when you get comfortable, um, sometimes you um, take things for granted and I don't ever want to do that. So I know that there are going to be some people who are going to be just listening to this audio wise. So they have not been able to see the, they won't be able to see the visuals that you've shown us. So can you describe to those people what exactly a cigar poker is and like the function of it and why they would want to add this to their, you know, lineup of accessories? Sure. A cigar poker is used um, and I'll do visual and tell you. So this is, you know, this is a long cigar, so, you know, I would probably never use it for, for this particular reason, but 
a cigar poker is used um, when you're at the end of the cigar and you don't want to burn your lips or your hands. So you would, you know, poke it into the cigar and, you know, you would use it so you won't burn your lips or your hands. So you're going to poke it into the end of the cigar. So you're probably going to have maybe, maybe an inch, inch and a half um, left of your cigar. So you're going to really get down to the part that you don't want to throw away. Now, I know that some people like to use darts, corn on the cob, toothpicks. I mean, I've heard it all. I, I don't know that anybody could tell me that they, you know, they're, they're using something I have not heard. But when you have, you know, uh, you know, Zycar lighters, you know, or, you know, expensive lighters and cutters that you've spent like $100 for, and then you have a toothpick, my mind, you know, makes me wonder, like, why are you doing that? So um, you can also use it if your cigar is tight and you want to open it up so the end that, you know, I, I love a punch. That's my thing. But then you use a V cut or straight cut or, or whatever you use. You can use it to kind of poke it in there to open up your cigar if it is tight. So the reason that you should buy one is because I feel like your all your accessories should match. And, and I don't mean matchy matchy, but I mean match as it relates to the quality. Because if you're buying a nice cutter, lighter punch, I think you should have a nice poker because you are doing that function. You may just be doing it with a corner on the collar or dart or, or whatever uh, function you, you know, whatever item you pick. I think that's a great, like I said, I've never, before I spoke to you, honestly, I've never thought about getting to that last third, like having a cigar poker to help you kind of enjoy that last final part of the, the cigar. But it's always the part of the cigar, like you said, that is very hard to smoke. <laughs> it's very right. hot. You don't know, you, you right? Sit there and try to uh, probably hold it. So you, you obviously trying to solve that problem. I think that a lot of cigar smokers have, and I think manufacturers as well, because manufacturers kind of built their cigars in thirds. You know, right? More, and it's know. a different flavor profile when you get to the end. And ladies, you know, for you, you know, if you've got long nails, you know, you're not going to want to have any extra, you know. <laughs> fire on your nails or stuff like that. So it's just a really good tool when you're smoking down to the end to, you know, and, you know, back in the day, I know everybody forgets, but if you did smoke weed, you used a roach clip, you know? So <laughs> if you know what I'm talking about, this is like that, but for cigars. And I was going to ask you about that because I know that, like you said, you, you make accessories also for the cannabis market. So mm -hmm. you, you obviously expanded your brand to not just be yeah. about cigars, which I think is very smart. Um, I always tell people they have to cross categories and, and uh, markets. So, so what, how soon did you make that expansion? Did you get into the cannabis stuff? Was it at the start or was it kind of after you got the cigar bit established? Well, here's one of my cannabis holders. And for people who can't see it, it has a clip on the end of it. And they are similar in style to the cigar pokers, but they have the clip. Um, so what happened was um, people would ask me, can I use your cigar poker for cannabis? And I'm like, mm, you can, but it's not going to really hold it because it's got a sharp point at the end versus when you're smoking weed, you want to hold on to a joint, you know, so it's a little different, but I can make that. And, um, you know, when people had, you know, some people had bought like five or six 
pokers. And I was like, man, these people got six pokers. I'm thinking, wow, what are they going to buy from me next? You know, I mean, I appreciate that you have six pokers, but I'm thinking, you know, I want to give you something else. And so I felt like cannabis is such a big market. I mean, cannabis is exploding. And I said, you know what? I want some of that. I do. And so, um, I just decided to really open up what I was doing. I felt like um, that cigar pokers, you know, not that cigars are small, they're, you know, a $17 billion business, but not everybody uses cigar pokers. And I don't have an issue if you don't. But I thought, you know, I really wanted to expand into the cannabis market. You know, I don't I don't smoke, um, but I don't, I don't have a problem with people who do. So. <laughs> I don't have a problem at all with that, obviously. So I felt like um, it was probably about a year and a half into cigar pokers that I decided to do, um, you know, cannabis. I felt like it was something I had played around with, but I wasn't. I had, and when I when I started a new product, I was you know, give a couple away as a test to kind of see, you know, am I doing them right? You know, is there something I need to do different? Because, you know, when, when you're doing something new, you're not sure if you're, you know, if you're doing it exactly right, you need to make some modifications. So I gave a couple to some friends that I knew um, had smoked cannabis and, uh, you know, for them to test it out. But it, it was actually um, a pretty good, um, area for me with, uh, TPE, you know, how many cannabis, Oh my God, vendors, there were, it was insane. And so yeah. when I thought about the, you know, compared to the cigar versus cannabis, it was probably three quarters cannabis and probably one quarter cigar. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, cannabis is a huge market. Um, you know, I am definitely doing some stuff or I want to do some stuff with cannabis and I really just want to open up, you know, what I do. I think cigars, um, because of the fact that, you know, not everybody smokes cigars. I just, want to open up, you know, what I'm doing. And I think that kind of leads to a, a question about curiosity, because I, I listen to a lot of entrepreneurs and they always like uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, who talks about the importance of being curious. And like you said, you don't smoke cannabis, but you, you still knew about, you know, the uh, opportunity that was like open there. And you could easily have said, I'm just going to stick to cigars but you will only, like you said, be serving a, like it's a big market, but it's a niche market at that. Oh, and compared so, to cannabis. Yeah. I mean, cannabis. Yeah. Is so it's like, you know, like that curiosity part, like, are you looking into other markets or trying to figure out ways to kind of expand your brand into other things that, that are out there? Well, I've actually expanded into jewelry. So here are my bracelets. So, um, you know, it was interesting. So a friend of mine, um, he asked me to make him a bracelet to match his poker. And I was like, nobody wants that. I was <laughs> like, you have got to be kidding now. And people have been asking me since I started to make bracelets. And I said, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want, I don't want to get in jewelry. I just thought jewelry people are weird. They have like a lot of bracelets on and earrings and headbands and all this kind of crazy stuff. And I don't want to do that. So people have been asking me probably 30 days after I'd started. And I said, I don't want to do that. And he asked me to make him a bracelet. And I was like, I'm going to make you a bracelet because you're a friend of mine, but I, I don't want to make it. So I made him one. I made three just because I was doing it and I sold all of them. And I thought, ah, oh, just three. So, and then I took some to the gathering spot and sold those. And I was like, 
Hmm. And I made a couple more and I sold all those. And I was like, hmm, this might be something. And now bracelets make up 50% of the products I sell. So, wow. <laughs> so when I see him, I'm like, thank you. So he sometimes just takes a bracelet and walks off. And I'm like, what can I say? <laughs> oh, that's great that you were open. Well, I didn't want to do it. It took me a long, it took me a, a long time to do it. I mean, it's probably been, it took me about a year and a half because I just didn't want to, I didn't, you know, I mean, even though I consider it smoke jewelry as far as, you know, the cannabis holders and the pokers, I just didn't want to make jewelry, but now I make earrings and bracelets and necklaces and all kinds of fun things. So, um, yeah, so now I do bracelets. I do a lot of men's bracelets because I don't think men have a lot of selection. Um, so, um, so I do bracelets, cannabis holders, um, jewelry, and um, cigar pokers. Wow. And you said jewelry makes up about 50% of your, your sales. Like, what's the next biggest category? Um, cigar pokers. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. But I think cannabis holders is going to take over them both. I think so, too. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, like you said, if, if you go to a trade show like TPE, you kind of see all the opportunity those are all you know potential customers that once they know about your product i think especially like with the skulls and stuff that you kind of decorate some of them with and the customization that you can do i mean i think that's going to open up a lot of doors for you and your brand i actually sold a medical dispensary when i was in uh, at tp Wow. <laughs> I was like, like, yeah. Here we go. <laughs> um, so that was kind of like, I just feel like, you know, um, it's just such a big market. It's just really kind of getting in with people who do cannabis, medical dispensaries, and, and we're talking about more medical marijuana than, you know, and I'm not saying that people can smoke for whatever reason, I don't, I don't really care, but more of the dispensaries are doing more of the medical products. Um, but it's it's just a it's a booming business, and more and more states are you know approving marijuana. So um, I I just feel like you know may the, may the best man or woman win within my product lines and knock yourself out. So yeah. Wow. When I know you're in the Atlanta market, and I you probably know the ATL cigar people. I do. Yes, I do. Um, and we always talk about just the diversity in Atlanta, like from your experiences of going to these trade shows over the years and these events like Big Smoke, it seems like we're finally starting to see the diversity, at least in the cigar space, come out. Before it seemed like it was kind of hard to find the diversity and uh, we were really the minority, but is that has that been your experience? Are you finding more uh, people? Atlanta's Atlanta's different because, you know, we have obviously a lot more diversity than other other um, cities. You know, obviously, you know, Texas has has diversity, but, you know, Atlanta's Atlanta's its own animal, its own beast. And I love shout out to the ATL. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I think diversity is growing, but it's not growing enough. You know, I think that even at TPE, there was some diversity, but I don't think that you know, first of all, these shows are, don't be fooled. These shows are expensive to get into and to get a booth. You know, um, the cost of that, I mean, I am blessed. Hireman Solomon 
definitely sponsors me and allows me to be at their booth at PCA as well as TPE. So that's how I was able to go. Um, but they're expensive. They're super expensive. And so that is one of the barriers in which, you know, it, it does challenge us to get into these shows. And so, um, you know, diversity is 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 hard when you're when people are asking people to spend tens of thousands of dollars for a weekend. Right. You know, and, you know, you've got to make let's just say a booth costs. Let's just throw out a number. Let's say a booth costs twenty thousand dollars and you've got a net. 20 grand plus airfare and hotel just to break even. So that's a hard conversation you got to have with yourself or your business partners to get that done. So that's, that's a lot. And it's kind of a, a tricky situation. So like you said, if you had never gone to big smoke, you would, I don't, I think your success would have been delayed a little bit because you would have to rely oh, yeah. on local and friends and family to kind of give you that feedback that, you were going, but that's like you said, that's an investment. If you're going, especially from Atlanta to to Vegas, I mean, that's that's not a cheap flight, <laughs> and the no. hotels there are not. I mean, you could always stay off the strip, but then everything is happening on the strip, so people don't understand that. So, like, in your opinion, like, how can we handle or make the diversity situation better in the industry? Because I feel like it is a situation that you know. The diversity is there. It's just maybe the representation is is not there yet. How can we better that situation? Well, I mean, I think you asked me two questions. You know, one, um, did I think, you know, when I, I started going to Big Smoke before I had a business. So um, did I think it was worth it? Yes, I thought it was worth it because, you know, Big Smoke is for individuals and PCA and TPA are for retailers and businesses. So that's really the distinction. Um, when I decided to go into business, I went to Big Smoke because I wanted to make a determination if I should be trying to go to PCA and TP and, and try to understand, you know, you know, where do I go from there? So that's why going to Big Smoke was important to me. As far as diversity is concerned, I think we should be trying to partner with people who are companies who are at these events just to see if there's a way that, that they can go in together and try to, to um, share some of these costs because they are, they are exorbitant. And, you know, these are unions, so they have flat rates that they're charging. And I'm not, you know, I mean, the, the, the price is the price. I mean, they're not really negotiating the price, but I think that we can try to work together to see if we can partner and and possibly do some some booth sharing or um, doing some events outside of PCA and TPE to still get some of the exposure that you may not be able to get inside the convention center. And to, to kind of go off of events, you said you're an ambassador for Atlanta Cigar Week. Yes, yes, I am. Uh, talk a little bit about that event and what makes it so special. Like, why should we all be putting that on our calendars? So that event is uh, the third um week in September, you know, there are visionaries uh, that are putting on the event. So you've got Henry Stokes, you got um, her aficionado, which is Octavia, and you got Tony Hall. They, um, I'll be honest with you, they blew it out <laughs> for the fifth year. Shout out to Atlanta Cigar Week. Um, every year they try to reinvent themselves and do something different. Um, Atlanta, um, 
one of the reasons Atlanta Cigar Week is so successful is because of the visionaries. And the other one is because the city of Atlanta, we don't have a lot of the stipulations around not being able to drink and smoke and eat in the same place. We don't have those issues. We can smoke and drink wherever we want to. We have over 130 places where we can smoke. So we have the best of the best here in Atlanta um, as far as places to pick from. A lot of the places around the country, they have stipulations and laws where they can't smoke and drink in the same place. They have to do BYOB or something like people in Atlanta don't even know what that BYOB. We know what BYOB is, but that's because of choice, not because of you have to do that. So that is one reason Atlanta Cigar Week is phenomenal. And, 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 you know, another reason is because we've got some great ambassadors. Shout out to the ambassadors. Um, so, you know, when you have visionaries, when you have a city behind you and you've got great events, um, it's a recipe for a great opportunity to have success. So um, I love being an ambassador. You know, this is my third year. I feel like being an ambassador really helped my brand uh, when I, you know, it, I was, you know, I had started Blue Smoke, obviously, before I was an ambassador, but it did definitely help um, me when I started doing it. And they've been very supportive to my brand. You know, Atlanta is a great city. There's a lot of things to do in addition to um doing that. I think they had like 40, 50 events last year. Wow. So, you know, I mean, they had day events, night events, you know, events going on simultaneously. So um, it was a lot going on. So if you want to come down and have a funky good time, get your smoke on, get your drink on. There were great liquor sponsors, cigar sponsors. You know, we have some great brands down here in Atlanta. It was just at phenomenal. Plus it's a fashion show on top of that. So it was everything. I mean, I had a ball. I had a ball. Look forward to the surprises that they'll have for year six. And I'm excited to be a part of it. So, and, and Blue Smoke will be in the building. That's for, for sure. And what are the dates for this year's? Um, I do believe it's the 13th through the 19th. Of what month? September. Okay. So people have plenty of time to plan for that. Yeah. <laughs> so, I've noticed in the conversation, like the, the word reinvention comes up several times. So mm -hmm. why is that word or that concept uh, important to you? Um, you know, it's interesting that you say that. Um, it's the, it's the, did I say that there, it's the 19th through the uh, 23rd? I apologize if I got the date wrong for Atlanta Cigar Week. Um, I had a company before that was that reinvention was in the name and it wasn't successful. And I, um, you know, when you're an entrepreneur, sometimes, you know, things don't always work out the way that you think that they do. I mean, people feel like, oh, you know, this is the only company I've ever, no, I've had, I've had several businesses that I worked on and sometimes, you know, they don't work out. Um, you know, my other business was tied to the government and I'll just say, <laughs> <laughs> working with the government. Oh boy. Uh, that's for another day. But um, so it was called, it was called reinvention. And I, I feel like, um, you know, in order to stay in front, you have to reinvent yourself all the time. You have to stay in front of um, being stagnant and being, you know, the same. I, I don't think you can do the same thing over and over again and and stay on top or stay in front or stay in, in the in the upper upper you know upper quadrant. 
however you want to look at it. So that's why I say that. So that that company is near and dear to my heart. So that's why I say that a lot. I think that's an awesome story because another part of business that doesn't get spoken about a lot is the part about how to deal with failure and how to pick yourself back up. And I think that's such an important part of business and entrepreneurship, but it always gets glossed over because we all get focused on success and, you know, in the um, bottom line profits and stuff like that. But failures is such, it's almost necessary in order to have uh, success. It seems like. You know, I learned a lot from that business. It was um, it was near and dear to my heart. I worked so hard at it, but no matter what I did, it just didn't work. And I just had to know when to um, to quit and when to take those key learnings and apply them apply them to blue smoke. And so that I'm grateful for. Um, but you know, there's just some things that the, that the formula doesn't work, you know, with that particular business to get paid by the government is very challenging. You know, the timeline on which you get paid is challenging. How you get paid the con the whole process working with the government. I shout out to people who do government contracts <laughs> because they, woo, that's a lot to that. And so, um, my, my, payment uh, process. It was very simple. <laughs> it's very simple. Now, that was one thing I said to myself, the next business I have, the process to get paid is going to be simple. And that's what it is. So. So I consider you to be a success because I think the hardest part of uh, having a business, starting a business is simply getting past your fears and getting putting yourself out there and getting your product out there and just seeing what you know what will work and what won't work and just going through that process so what's your advice to others out there who may have an idea for you know a business of their own but they are afraid to take that chance what's your advice to them about going out on their own or starting off their own business Oh, well, um, you know, it's interesting. I do put myself out there every day, you know, when I put my designs on on social media and people, you know, you give you one like and you're like, ooh, guess they didn't like that <laughs> or, you know, two likes. So um, I would say that you can't be afraid. You have to have great courage because this is about um, standing the test of time. It's not about what happens in year one and year two and year three. This is about the long haul. And um, so I would say that you have to be fearless. You can't take everything personal. There's going to be so many people with opinions. Oh, my God. If I had a penny for everybody who told me, well, you know what, Blue Smoke, you can, you know, you should do this, Robin, or you should do that, Robin, or you should do, you know, there's going to be so many opinions. And the funny thing about it is that none of them come with money. I, you know. Everybody's, everybody's got an opinion, but they don't want to support you with the money. And it's like, you know, if you had some money to support that idea, I might want to do that. But um, so I would say be fearless. Um, get great counsel. Um, as I mentioned, a mentor, I think that will um, alleviate some of the, you know, back and forth that you're trying to go through in your, in your mind as uh, uh, far as what you want to do. And funding, you know, you need money. Um, to be able to execute what you're doing and try to do um, 
try to measure twice and cut once. You know, um, you want to put your best foot out there, even if you don't. You know, when I first started doing stuff on Instagram, I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> it was like, and, you know, um, I mentioned Danny. He just said, do the best you can do now. And when you get better, do the best you can do at that point. And so that's all you can do. You know, there's some people who put content out there and I'm just like blown out of the water. I'm just like, my God, how are these people putting this content and doing all this amazing stuff? And that's just not my, you know, that's not my strength, I don't think. Um, but you just have to do what you do, what you do best, you know? And so I would say those are the things that you have to do is, is do what you do best and, and don't try to be, like people, because you're trying to be like them, you got to do what you do best, not what someone else does best, because, you know, you're not going to be able to be them. You got to be who you are. I have to, I have to do what I do best, you know, and, and I feel like what I do best, no one can beat me at that. Now, if I'm trying to do what they do, they can beat me at that because that's what they do. I got to do what I do. So I would just say that and, you know, strategic partnerships, you know, um, you know, in business, you know, sometimes you don't think that you can be a partner with somebody, but you may be able to be a partner with somebody that you had no idea that you could be a partner with. And so, you know, I just think, you know, when people say think outside the box, I say there isn't a box, you know? Hmm. So, um, so that's what I would say, you know, try to find, you know, good, good information, try to align yourself with strategic partners, have a good mentor and get some money. Cause this business, I think people think entrepreneurs, you know, <laughs> have so much money. We might have money, but we're spending it every minute. Say, it's all about get, making money so that you can reinvest right, it right, right. do even better. So and it's hopefully very play yourself one day, you know, because they, right. they think, oh, you're making well, you know, uh, you know, you're doing this and you're doing that and you're doing, you know, it's it's amazing. It's even a tablecloth. It, it will blow your mind how much a tablecloth costs. You know, a tablecloth is like a hundred dollars. It's like mm -hmm. people don't understand, you know, the smallest things cost money. So um, but you just have to be prudent of your money and spend it, spend it when you need to, because you need to really show up when you need to. So I, I don't know if that helps somebody, but um, if not, you know, DM me or email me and, and I'll see if I can confuse you more. <laughs> <laughs> so what's your long term vision for Blue Smoke ATL? What's what do you hope to accomplish this year and what do you hope, hope to accomplish in years to come? Um, this year, I want to double my sales. Um, from what I did last year. Um, I've doubled it every year. So that's um, what I want to do. I um, am looking to um, do something outside of what I do now. Um, people are like, <laughs> do something <Not> more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, um, so I'm going to look on taking on something else in addition to what I do now. Um, and that's going to allow, um, blues, blues, you know, so taking on another partnership and, um, that will allow blue smoke to expand even more. And, um, what else am I going to do? Um, I'm going to look on taking on, um, creating another line, um, of something else. I don't know if I'm going to make this, um, 
and maybe something that I look to um, to purchase. I'm very leery of purchasing things because, you know, everything that I have made, people can customize. And so when I think about purchasing stuff, I think that my supporters or followers are like, well, can I customize that? And I'm concerned about that because if I buy something, they won't be able to customize it. So I'm, I'm on the fence about that. But I'm thinking about um, taking on something else. I'm looking at a couple of items that um, that I may want to do. I'm looking at getting some help. I also put on um, social media that I'm looking for um, a couple of brand champions to help me across the nation. So, so, so some salespeople. I'm going to be getting a personal assistant to help out um, so I can explain expand my reach and expand all the things that I do. So I'm looking for this to be probably the biggest year for Big Blue Smoke so far. Well, awesome. Well, I can't wait to watch your empire grow and flourish. And uh, definitely let me know if there's, I mean, I'm sure you know all the same people that I know, but uh, let me know. Oh, I don't know. I, I, I don't think so. I think you know a lot more people than I do. Because, you know, because when, when I see your brand and your style and what you're doing, I, I for me, I immediately think of Matt Booth. So I don't know if you've ever spoken to Matt Booth or had a conversation with him with about his jewelry line with Room 101. But I haven't. I, think, I don't even know. I don't know him. Oh my gosh! I need to introduce. I need to introduce you to Matt Booth. So um, I'll definitely kind of drop you a line outside of this, just for you to kind of look at his stuff and, and see if that's a conversation that maybe you want to have with him at some point. But um. I think you, your creativity and his are kind of aligned in the same way. And definitely there's room for, as you like to say, collaboration stuff. I can't speak for Matt Booth, but I'm sure that there's something that might come up out of that conversation um, between you two. So let me know if there's anybody, like I said, that I could ever introduce you to, or if there's stuff that we can do through uh, deep cuts to help get the word out about your company and your products. I'm looking for some strategic partners um, that I would not even think that I would partner with. That's what I, that's what I'm going to be doing this year. I, I think that people limit themselves to, and some people, I can't speak for everybody to partners that they think perfectly align. I want to do something that people be like, she's doing what? Yeah. So I don't know him, but I'd love to meet him. Yeah. So, yeah. He was I, don't even, I don't even know what he does and I'd love to meet him. <laughs> Like I said, I'll send you an email afterwards okay. and just to kind of show you some of his stuff and you can kind of go from there. Oh, awesome, awesome, yeah. awesome. So uh, for, for those of you who are not watching, there's been like a little banner up the whole time that for information, but Robin, I think you're probably the best person to kind of give yourself a shout out. How can people kind of follow you and follow your company and find out more information uh, about Blue Smoke ATL? Well, mine is very easy. It's Blue Smoke ATL for everything. Blue Smoke ATL for IG, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, website. It's Blue Smoke ATL for everything. So that's one thing they, when I first started, my mentor said, don't confuse everybody. It's Blue Smoke ATL for everything. So 
Um, that's the best way to reach me. Um, if you see a lady walking around with blue, nine times out of 10, that's probably going to be me. I got my blue glasses on if you can't see me. And I got my blue, uh, blue smoke polo on. So thank you so much for allowing me to spend this time with you. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, and we got deep. So I love that. You know, I love <laughs> that's, that. Well, that's good. That, that's the whole idea. Deep. Yeah, I've never been, you know, I've been on, I've been on quite a few podcasts, but you got deep and, and interest and, and asked interesting questions about me. And, you know, that that's always good. Um, I'm a private person, but I, you know, I don't mind sharing um, as long as you don't ask me anything like, you know, where the body's buried or anything like that. I don't, <laughs> <care. laughs> no, yeah, yeah, I don't want to be accomplice to any crime. So I wouldn't have. Right, right, right. <laughs> but yeah, but thank you so much for coming on to that. Like I said, I, you know, this is the third season premiere. Um, it's crazy that you know, next month will be three years of doing this. So no, three years know. for me too. So yeah, November was my third year. So yeah, so I definitely uh, have fun talking to you and learning more about your brand. Like I said, it's always fun to speak to a creative person because that's a completely different conversation. Um, so I'm so happy that you were able to come on today and share uh, all the information about Blue Smoke ATL. Well, thank you. But I think you're a creative person. I think you create an atmosphere and, um, you know, you create this space that's comfortable. So you're creative in your own way. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate no that. No problem. So for those of you watching now, um, we have a really jam-packed February. We were kind of slow last year, but we have another show coming up this Thursday. And we have two shows a week for like the next two weeks after this one. Oh, wow. So yeah, and we're already starting to book for March. So Deep Cuts will definitely be busy uh, in 2022. And we'll have to have you back on, Robin, as well um, to share more information, especially maybe near ATL um, or Atlanta Cigar Week. Maybe we could have you and uh, some of the other brand ambassadors on to talk about Atlanta. Yes, yeah, we're some founders. Fun, yeah, absolutely. Fun, uh, fun show to kind of talk about. So. I definitely uh, look forward to, to having you back on, like I said, to, to talk about that, because I just think talking about events is leading up to what could be a, uh, very fun and, and interesting. But um, well, but, let's uh, definitely do it. Um, you know, it's in September, so definitely, um, you know, a month before let's you know, we'll have the lineup and all the things, you know, they have like 40 or 50 events. So hopefully they will have 60. <laughs> it's time, but um, you know, it'll be exciting. You know, Atlanta will be on fire as always. And it's just, it's just a funky good time. So if you, if you're thinking about coming to Atlanta cigar week, you know, hit me up. Um, I'll be selling tickets and, and, you know, tables and all those kinds of fun things and come to Atlanta. We'll have a funky good time. I guarantee it. And like I said, we'll have to, it just came up through this conversation, but we'll have to do like an Atlanta cigar week kind of crossover or hype up event right before yes. the movie, a month before. So I'll reach out to you and some of the uh, organizers to see what kind of a virtual show we can do to kind of make that a little bit more exciting for people. That sounds awesome. They'd love it. Awesome. So for those of you who are new to Deep Cuts, like I said, if you're watching this on Facebook or YouTube, make sure you hit that like button, the follow button, subscribe button, all those buttons, hit those buttons so you'll be notified anytime we do uh, post new content or have new shows. Uh, you can also visit deepcutslive.com where we have all the past shows, uh, all 62 uh, episodes that we've done before. I know it's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> <What>? <laughs> uh, 
all 62 episodes before are on there, plus little press releases about different releases. Um, and like I said, we have shows uh, just back to back for the next couple of weeks and some pretty big guests coming on like Robin. Um, just, I think some of them are like unexpected, which is always like, so um, def definitely bookmark us and uh, thank you all for watching and thank you for listening. and. Thank you, Robin, again, for being our guest today. Of course. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Thank you, everybody. And uh, I will be speaking to you all on Thursday.